Bomb trips, bullshit. Writing poetic impressions on the IBM's electric two in the library about a conversation about dreams. Here we go, it comes unfolding off in lines. Lines perfectly unfolding like cloud vapor saluting upwards the lines of redwood trees that are not usually seen. It's been raining, and then when it stops raining after a few days and the sun comes out and the vapor raises from the redwood trees driving up the mountains, it raises in lines saluting that you don't normally see that the trees are lined up in. What is it like? An eerie calmness, lines of destiny from the beginning of time all the way? What it is to take a bite of mutton that that God has bitten. What it is to take a bite of mutton that God has bitten. It is the privilege of a few, a bite just for you. A dream that you deserve because it's your turn. Do you float? Do you float like a phone carried by a hand, a throne, a phony? or foam gathered in plastic lids washed up on the beach petri dishes in a foam is bubbles rainbowed for the intensity of their dignity a destiny that lasts 25 minutes until the bursts burst cloud burst happens like waking up from a dream so special you almost don't want to talk about it but you do in the conversation that it's about to happen between Jedediah and DJ Menon Dwarf. He says, do you eat the eel? You suck on the squid. I had dreams that a group of rattlesnakes were waiting. Are you ready to eat the trash? Are you really willing to go past the last step? They came at me in slow motion while I was evading awful dreams of ex-lovers surviving, thriving without you. The cramped chamber of the heart, oh the joy of a fatty, a bomber, a full rolled caddy, the rump of a lover, a stranger in pajamas eating pizza, the fullness of life in front of the catalyst, the underwater thoughts, the focus, the gathering in the fruit the poets, the whales, the gathering warriors, the soft side craters, the craters and the creators of industry, the factory in your cells, the vibe that you're at, the frequency, the whip, the choice of electrons, the seconds, the fractions, through the particle wave in place, the whip, the story is the crack, the crack, the crack, the dawn, the horizon, just beyond with your ear down temporary tempting gravity to give you something from the underground the rumbling sound wave craving coming jazz hip-hop touring South America in 1910 singing opera Thank you, Galley Curry, the small town king that you married and playing side one of your opera record in the library. Thank you, Galley Curry. Then I switch the record to champagne for the orchestra, and there is a note written on the record sleeve in cursive, mother, father, sister, brother, in rotations of cursive, 1972, the date in the cold air outside the library, hollowed by the sounds of the typewriter hung. It says, hollowed by sounds of the typewriter hum. 
These are poetic impressions of the bulbous height of clouds of the conversation that you're about to hear. DJ Mini, Sean, Jedediah, me, we had massive egg salad sandwiches, yellow on white bread, that two women separately commented on a standing in the drizzling rain, almost like the egg salad and white bread was the sun that would be shining at the end of the conversation. It had been raining for two days, and at the end of the talk, my gray sweatshirt was wrapped around my head like a shawl to block the sun shining on my bare arms. DJ Minnie had been at the hot springs the days before, transferring from hot to cold so long that he had a change of consciousness or karma or at least a chance for an Israeli named Uzi to whisper in his ear, there is no free will. Like an atomic domino of events perfectly tactfully unfolding, like cloud vapor saluting upward from the lines of the redwood trees that are usually not seen organized in lines, lines other places like lines of Cheeto crumbles, muffin crumbles, popsicle sticks turning honey into coffee that gather at the seams of my car seat, driving away from the beach to make it to the library to type this up on the IBM 2 Selectric, the poetic and impressions of the conversations that you're about to hear. Lines like the waves lining up at the harbor mouth where we sit. We are waiting and we sit and we watch the sets curling close to us at Twin Lakes Beach and still further off across Santa Cruz making far swells in distant directions. A king tide swell after a week of eerie calmness. Lines of dignity, destiny, destinations from the beginning of time all the way into the tractor that moves on the sand on the beach all winter in arranged ways to affect the waves at the harbor mouth it sounds too good to be true but it's true while we talk there's a beach tractor making the lines a tractor tractor treads with his is it a bucket or just a pusher he's just pushing the sand that guy's playing in the ocean with the waves like swirling around his tracks and he's doing something for the flow twin lakes creek or whatever that is he's i mean that guy's just playing in the sand with his big giant machine and getting paid to do it that's a million dollar dollar operation i'm sure yeah when i was here a lot i interact with that guy you know who's also getting paid that guy that guy's just watching the sand flow and he's getting doing paid. something yeah he's, he's watching the sand flow he's watching the dredge empty this guy's making space for the water to keep coming out and this guy's making sure that the water's coming out appropriately yeah yeah it's a million dollar operation yeah One of those particularly high and low tide days. Yeah. Alternate dimension, we were almost distance in beach yesterday for the low tide. Yeah, I thought about that. In the evening on the new moon. I thought about that alternate dimension. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I was trying to research to understand why the tides are higher and lower sometimes. Sometimes a high tide is not as high as another high tide. And it happens more, they get higher at uh, new moons and full moons 
oh, yeah? uh, because the the moon and the sun are on the same side. If they're 90 degrees to each other, like during a quarter moon, then they kind of cancel each other out and you get more, uh, uh, l less tidal activity, but the tides get much bigger when the gravitational forces of the sun and the moon are stacking up. So they're like in the same place right now. They're both sun and moon are, uh, in Capricorn. I think that, I think actually the moon now has moved into Aquarius, but yesterday it was in Capricorn. And so that king tide was at the new moon. King tide was at the new moon, and the moon and the sun are like in the same parts of the sky. Same side. Same side. Sun of the and planet. the moon sharing the same side. Yeah. Same and side it, of the planet. Within this it research, makes that pole. Makes that pole. The the moon orbits the sun every twenty four hours and fifty minutes. The moon orbits the sun. Uh, sorry, the moon orbits the Earth every 24 hours and 50 minutes. Nice. Which is quite an interesting number because it's just a little bit off from a day, which keeps everything kind of spinning, keeps everything moving through. Otherwise, it would just be synced up and be the same every day. And that's also partly why it's like 29 and a half days uh, cycle for the, the Wait, moon to go new. Is that just a coincidence that it's the same rotation as it is with the sun? <laughs> Everything is a coincidence. <laughs> or nothing is a coincidence. <laughs> and this brings me to my deeper point. Yeah. yeah. As, I, as I learned from my new friend, my new Israeli friend Uzi. Yeah, an Israeli friend named Uzi. And he comes to me and uh, our families have made friends at Harbin. We met last time we were at Harbin, and they, they were getting there again this time. Cool, cool. And By coincidence? He, he comes to me and he says, I haven't told anybody else this yet, because I don't think anybody else would understand. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure that we don't have any free will, because cause and effect is there. <laughs> cause and effect was there from the beginning. Everything has just been this sort of ripple-out effect. Therefore... We have the illusion. It's only an illusion that we have a choice, but really there is no choice. It's all just a bunch of atoms bouncing off of each other. And he tells you this like a secret, <laughs> like a secret that he's letting he you was in like, on. Like he was a bit shy to mention such a crazy thought to someone else. And so then I was trying to figure out how I could describe that the height of creation, the, like if you imagine... The, that the if, if if the universe was rolling out from the beginning of time like a program that was set to run then the infinite intelligence that existed before anything actually started to move was one that would program it in a way where it would simultaneously be total cause and effect karmic justice spread throughout and we truly do have a choice that would be the most difficult thing to program. Now that we're trying to create AI, it's going to be almost impossible to tell whether the AI has any consciousness to choose something because really we can't even prove that we have free will. It's, it's impossible to really like scientifically show that we have any free will. How are we going to know if the, if the artificial life is alive or not? We can't even really prove that we're anything more than a big, giant, super complicated atom robot. We should probably just ask it. Do you want to fuck? Well, it's like, it's going to say it's alive before it is, probably. 
it's going to say it's alive just like we say it's alive, but we don't really know. You do know, right? It's my experience, but is it an illusion? And how would we know the difference? I mean, it's your gift. That's what the gift is. The gift is... The gift is free will. It's amazingly complex, but the grid work uh, holds it. Yeah, it has an open space for there to be free will within the intensity of the grid work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the magic of it. That is the magic That's what of I was it. trying to express to him. I was like, it's both things. It seems like it would be impossible for it to be both things, but that's the miracle of it. That's why it's, that's why it's God's creation. That is the miracle of it. And you get to interact with it. That's the fun of it. You get to interact with the cascading chain of events that has been going on since the beginning of time. And you get to make choices within it. Mm-hmm. And you get to have a destiny. You also get to have a destiny that you can fulfill or not fulfill, or that you can speed up or slow down, or that you can completely derail. All these things keep like streaming into you, or that you can choose to get in or out of. Yeah, I dig it. All right, good good topic, free will. <laughs> Atomic chains of atoms <laughs> happening as they will. I, I, I've been thinking about well, I wanted to ask you. I don't mean to sidestep, but... No, sidestep this all, dude. <laughs> I noticed that there's a, a new episode of Beatniks, Bum Trips, and Bullshit out that I haven't listened to yet. And um, I'm thinking it's one that I had not personally participated in. Oh, yeah. It's Rachel like about, Carson's Love Letters. Yes. Can you give us a 30-second um, drop on that? Rachel Carson's love letters were recorded on Christmas with the Jewish librarian. I came into the library and she immediately said, do you know that we have a young adult biography section? And I did not know we had a young adult biography section. And then she immediately pulled off a Rachel Carson bio. And within 45 seconds, she'd been saying, you may or may not know this. And I knew Rachel Carson because I was deep into the sea around us. And she wrote Silent Spring and she's like the foremost of writers that can describe ecosystems within a Shakespearean play like just how one piece connects to the other piece but they're connected not just through a chain of events but through drama through characters interaction whether those characters are plankton and phytoplankton or they're tides and currents it's like everything can be within a cup of water and she can detail it out so that it's fully engrossing because there are stakes and there are relationships and she does this writing stakes like in gambling like the stakes the chances the odds yeah like there's things that may or may not happen depending on how well it plays out Mm. she says to me you may or may not know this but rachel carson is a lesbian i was like like, oh i didn't i didn't know that and then she said and she wrote a lot of love letters and this just like I love Rachel's writing. Yeah. And to have her be lesbian, which is just kind of hot. I mean, whatever. It's hot. (laughs) To have your favorite scientist also be lesbian? Come on. And then to have, like, that correspond over years in letters of kind of like a physically unrequited love. That have been published now? They have been published. The letters have been published. How did this happen? (laughs) Right? Right? And it all occurred, uh, the woman that she fell in love with is named Dorothy. 
and she, uh, Rachel had moved to an island on the East Coast and Dorothy knew her for a scientist and wrote her a letter greeting her. Uh, so they corresponded once or twice in letters, but somehow Rachel went to Dorothy's house on December 30th and spent the night. They spent the night, they had a sleepover together. There was then a letter a few days later where she was uh, saying, uh, you hold a, a piece in my heart. Like wherever I think of you, we will now have this, this like- This inner link. This, this, yeah. Yes, this chamber, this chamber. And that's then what the discussion became is what chambers of the heart are and how you move through those chambers and different mechanisms that interact within the chamber of the heart. Because it started with love letters and moving through correspondence of words and it just being this kind of cordial, gentilian uh, communication. But it's like, there's also a bit of manipulation or sorcery or cuckoo clock mechanics in there. <laughs> and this in, brought in us- In the wooing and the seduction? In the wooing and the seduction. The, the drawing in. And the drawing in and ultimately, it, like seduction and manipulation really only really work if it's honest and truthful and coming from like a beloved place otherwise it's, it will burn it apart and you'll be the last three-fourths of every rom-com ever as your actions come and uh and, and you have your retribution for your shit action in the beginning when it was just like oh, i just wanted to date you to win a bet with my friends that we could go to prom with the ugliest girl who likes art and wears glasses and has a ponytail oh no who would have known that she's a smoke show oh. and then it like all becomes revealed and you have to sing to each other afterwards and maybe if you can get to a place of forgiveness there can be peace but it's still tainted with human folly but everything will be Everything will be. Everything will be tainted. It's just how tainted are you going to get? And how much scrubbing does it take? And how much scrubbing does it take? Does it take? We, uh, the people who can forgive truly and deeply to the point where their love again becomes purified after they've been treated like an object, hail those people. Hold those people in the highest because those people have the highest degree of magic when they can truly forgive. It will take all of us to 100% forgive everything that's ever happened in our lives and everybody who's ever done it to us in order to um, come to completion, in order to, in order to enter into the gates of heaven, total forgiveness is a necessary quality. I've never had to forgive a villain in my life, but I've had to forgive like lovers and heroes. That feels good. Like it's empowering, opening. It, there, yeah. <laughs> the villain is the friend. The villain is the vehicle through which they are secretly lifting you up. On the surface, they may be pulling you down, but do spiritually, do there's a wave in which you're being. That's that's the person who's doing the scrubbing. They're like, in scrubbing off your filth, they're taking it onto themselves, and you have to thank them for it. intense yeah it's really intense i worry i worry for the villain i care for the villain i'm concerned for them as much as i am for all those that they hurt i love your comment maybe it was rachel's comment i'm not sure about the characters whether it's the phytoplankton and 
interacting with the tidal currents and all those other things. She doesn't directly see it, but reading it is where it's just that's like, your, oh, that's what she's, that's she's your bringing that to it. Yeah, the character scope. This yeah. is all so related to what I've been reading, which is the published talks given by Kitty Davy about her beloved Meher Baba. The and published talks of Kitty Davy. Yeah, she's just like standing in front of a bunch of Baba lovers and talking, or even like a tape recording of a casual conversation with her and Elizabeth and the room full of other people at the library um, in Myrtle Beach. And the library in Myrtle Beach? Yeah. Ooh, is this a place to visit? Yeah, yeah. Is this a Baba Baba's, library? Baba's home in the West. Was Myrtle Beach? Is in Myrtle Beach. And that's in, in Southern Myrtle. California? Uh, no, it's in Carolina, South Carolina. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Well, so she did recording talks in the library as well. So it's like a talk that was recorded on tape and then transcribed and is now in a book that's been published. And I think these are a lot of my favorite religious talks is the ones that are just transcription. Religious she's, books is the talks that are transcribed. She's talking about the inner link, the link that gets formed where you have a type of a love where it no longer matters if the uh, beloved is physically there with you or not because whether they're physically there or not they're just a part of you and you carry them into everything that you do this is the inner link and also the characters that we you know, basically everyone and everything is a character we're all playing out our role on the stage and God is the one who goes through and gets to be every character at some point. And he's the author of all the storylines that unfold between the characters. And in order to understand the story that he wrote fully, he has to become the characters. And so he is all of us. And to establish that inner link with the one and the many, rather than the many and the one, then we could just love everybody. It doesn't matter who they are because there's a single entity that's running through everyone like a thread and um is she at this level is this, this and then the what were you saying or was it i was saying and you wrote notes about it but the the it's almost like a meditation on remembrance a certain focus a rhythm of it coming back again and again and bringing it back there again and again it's like the inner link that you have of love whatever enlivens yeah. you with love yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah, I was taking notes on how to play drums to oh, a wonky beat right. or to a wonky soundscape, to right. a sound collage. And you said, remember that the drummer has to be the, the lead rhythm. So you're setting the rhythm, but you have to be able to fade it in and out as you're adjusting yeah, to you're the changing tempo that's sort of, coming at you already sort of recorded. You have to be true to your own rhythm and steadfast in it while at the same time responsive to this amorphous rhythm that's ever-changing around you and somehow draw a thread between those two things to make it cohesive. Right, which is totally sick. You probably do it with the hi-hat. <laughs> and the whole set. It's the whole set. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see, what was this lady's name at the library in... in uh... Kitty Davy. Kitty Davy. Yeah. So Kitty Davy was just kind of hip to it. She was at the level, and then she was giving talks at what it's like to exist at that level. And you're reading these talks? Yeah, I mean, this was... The talks were given years after Baba dropped the body. She spent years with Baba in India and with him on his travels in the West. And so she's been... She's got the good Baba energy flowing. Um, 
it was just it was just remarkable to me that I was just reading this right before you picked me up, and here you're like bringing a bunch of these themes in already from other sources that you've been connecting through the poet Rachel. Rachel, what's her name? Rachel Carson. Rachel Carson. Yeah. I was thinking that we need more poetry on this podcast because it's a beatnik podcast. It's supposed to be riddled with poetry. And we do bring that in, but it could definitely... It's like the first word in the name of the podcast. We can have more poetry. You, you just did that in the previous episode, so it's not there. links of the heart to understand the story fully become the characters take the ride ride the link with kitty davy in the library in myrtle beach a transcript that may show how tainted you're gonna get and then you will know how much scrubbing it will tank <laughs> it will take it will taint how much scrubbing it will take we're on the beach it's starting to become sunny menadorf says we need more poetry I run to my Mazda, where I happen to have bongo drums. I return with poetry books. He chooses the poetry of Wally. Wally, the songs of a wandering poet. It was published in Compton, Compton, California, in 1976 by Solarist Productions. S-O-L-R-T-I-S-T Solarist Productions published P.O. Box 23 Songs of a Wandering Poet by Wally Poems, Monotheism, and the Energizing Sun The sun and the sun that turns and the light shines Visions, spiritual, persuasions With poetry comes bongos <laughs> songs of a wandering poet revolutionary letters the hermetica with the eye of horus i want this one yeah songs of a wandering poet by wally music is a magic thing sounds in multitude profoundly feel the air Screaming, crying, touching, tasting, and being tasted by the elements whose nature is peace. In unity, these souls be whose language is universal, and whose speech causes stars to float seemingly in space. A high note, a comet streaks across the sky, a low note, and tears fall from heaven's eye. And with melody, kingdoms reign in harmony, one a brother to the other. This is the power of music. Woo! Yes. And then the scene erupts into perfect music. Behind us, a delightful hobo was opening up the gates to the kelp-lidden garbage and making that metal screech. The seagulls came and did their conducted woo. You may have heard some waves crash. You probably can't hear that it got sunny after raining torrentially all morning. And all yesterday. Songs of a Wandering Poet by Wally. There's Wally there. You might be able to describe him. He kind of reminds me of you. He has a soft, wide, round face with a thin goatee 
a big Mohammedan looking warm beanie hood with African spiraling mosaics down his tunic and some kind of a flute that has a bulb on the end. My impression of this gentleman is that he traveled the land in his early 20s experiencing and writing poetry and living within that like like resonance chamber of living for poetry and then writing what came of it mm. my impressions of that poem with it with sound and like just life becoming music made me think of the atomic chain of events that uzi the israeli had told you about of it kind of cascading the, the, down the cause and effect recorder the cause and effect recorder yeah this is the story of civilization yeah um, that's a fat book. This is a fat book. This is by Will Durant, and this is uh, the civilization of Egypt, the Near East, to the death of Alexander, of India, China, and Japan, from the beginning of our own day. Uh, and this is a part where he's talking about the emergence of dance and the emergence of dance and music. And it seems as if it was something that was atomically going to happen. Indeed, no art so characterized or expressed primitive man as dance. He developed from it primordially simplicity to complexity unrivaled in civilization and varied it into a thousand forms. The great festivals of the tribe were celebrated chiefly with communal and individual dancing. Great wars were opened with marital steps and chants. The great ceremonies of a religion were a mingling of song, drama, and dance. From the dance, we may believe, came instrumental music and the drama. The making of such music appears to arise out of a desire to mark and accentuate with sound the rhythm of the dance, and to intensify with shrill or rhythmic notes the excitement necessary to patriotism or procreation. The instruments were limited in range and accomplishment, limited in range and accomplishment, but almost endless in variety. Native ingenuity exhausted itself in fashioning horns, trumpets, gongs, tatums, clappers, rattlers, castanets, flutes, drums from horns, skins, shells, ivory, brass, copper, bamboo, and wood, and ornamented with elaborate carving and coloring. The taunt string of the bow became the origin of a hundred instruments, the origin of a hundred instruments, from the primitive lyre to the Stradivarius violin and the modern professional. Professional singers by professional dancers arose among the tribes on their scale, predominantly minor in tone, were developed. Dude, I love that this is like a thousand-page book of prose, and being read by Jedediah, it sounds like poetry. <laughs> this is where it, it clicked in. That's why I was like, dude, he is he's going off. He just this is like in, in ten pages, and he covers art, the meaning of art, the primitive sense of beauty, the painting of the body, cosmetic, tattoos, sacrifice, clothing, ornaments. Pottery, painting, sculpture, architecture, the dance, music, and then a summary. It's like yeah. 10 pages. This Will Durant guy cooks. Oh, man. 
got that writer's flow. He's about to get to where drama uh, and opera occur. <laughs> we might get back to that later. <laughs> I gotta return uh -oh. these ones. The drama the comes today. in. The drama comes in. <laughs> but yeah, we should have more poetry in these. Write poems. Write poems. Bring poems in. I'm working on somebody else's long poem right now. Yeah, bring in samples, hot lives. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess all the poets, were, we are the same as all the poets if all the poet is just one poet. Right? Amazingly different flavors on different like sides of the face, though. <laughs> Do I have egg salad in my beard? <laughs> break in the clouds so you were cooking on everybody being one person different facet you were cooking on oozy jacuzzi and the, the, the like tumbling line of cause and effect you're cooking on super tides i was cooking i'm cooking on a gift i, I i'm a little hesitant to even share it in the public space of a podcast but I love when I have any sort of dream that's related to Baba and I had a Baba related dream last night on the night of my birthday wow. gave me a wow. gift oh you've been wanting to dream about him well, and, and it hasn't happened is he you... wasn't even in the dream I didn't see Baba in the dream but in the dream in the refrigerator in um, the, the the trust center in Abednegar, there was, in the refrigerator, there was a bowl of mutton, a bowl of like pieces of goat meat on bone that Baba had touched and maybe eaten some of them, but then the rest of them he left for Prasad. And some, What's Prasad? Prasad is a gift from the master that usually you eat it. It's like a piece of candy or a fruit or something like that, and he touches it or eats part of it and then gives the rest of it to you and you imbibe it and you get his blessing oh, or his energy through it. Sick. Nina Simone's bubblegum. So it was this bowl of meat, of mutton, that Baba had sampled. and <laughs> This is your dream. Yeah, and some of it was left over in the fridge. And Dude, I'm picturing you opening up one of these like small fridges. <laughs> no, it was like a full-size fridge. Yeah. And um, just a bowl of mutton. And I pulled out like one. You like sheep a lot too, dude. You're all about the wool. <laughs> you know, I actually have an allergy. I've realized to wool. I do. I'm all about the wool. I love wool, and yet I have an allergy to it. I've realized. Interesting. That this alpaca that I wear, yeah. it's alpaca. It's not sheep. And the difference oh. is whether it has lanolin or not. Some people have a lanolin allergy, and I realize that I have one. Oh. Um, the sheep fights back. But yeah, interesting how karma flows like that. Because if, if it was up to me, I'd be like surrounded by sheep and living with them and like shearing them and making my own clothes out of wool. But I've realized that that fantasy is not real for me because karma has, has prevented me from all of the sheep interactions that I would like to be having. Dude, I could so see you with a staff wearing your sheepskins and just like nodging your sheep throughout Santa Cruz by playing your drums 
and like you've just got them down to a rhythm. Have you noticed parading down Pacific? Have you noticed the goat herder who is living in the encampment on on the river? No. Is there somebody in town doing this? There's someone doing this. Fuck yeah. He's like writing up proposals to try and get. He's trying to help solve the homeless problem in Santa Cruz by having goat encampments all over town in places where they need to be doing um, land management and like keeping fire danger down and stuff. And like, you know how goats are good at going and eating all the brush and things. So his the idea is that you could have herds of goats all over town in the places that need this land management and then two or three or four homeless people there managing the goats every day like mobile camps of goats that would simultaneously help to solve homelessness or like make it more acceptable that there's this sort of transient living you know like they would all be goat herds yeah and uh that they would be going around and eating all the brush and things like that and making goat compost um and he's starting at I guess the public parks downtown. I guess goats are really great for eating cigarette butts, too. Oh, here we go. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah, he's an interesting cat. He's an interesting guy. He's one of those guys who, like, was a contractor and, like, made, you know, million-dollar contracts for government buildings and stuff like that, but Most somehow now are. finds himself living in a tent with a bunch of goats. <laughs> um... Yeah, we should find him. Talk to him. He's a, he's a really interesting guy. Uh, where was I? You were opening the fridge, and the fridge had a <laughs> bowl of mutton that was eaten yeah. by your god, and it was now like a god's sanctified leftovers. Yes. So, where do I start? Because I was reading some Baba before I went to sleep, which is normal for me. I usually read a little chunk of some kind of Baba literature before I go to sleep. And in it, he was talking about a quality that swine have, a quality of the pig, mm. which is that they will mm. eat the garbage before they eat something nice. Like, you could throw premium quality food at a pig, and it would what? still choose to eat the filth before eating the good stuff. I didn't know that. And so, and I, I read that, and I was like, oh, this totally applies to me. This is what I need to be hearing because this is how I am. <laughs> I am a pig. Yeah. Um, and I'm always doing this and I need to like recognize that in order to move into a mode where I allow myself to take the best of what's there right now because the best is there right now. I don't need to eat all the garbage and the filth first and think that I need to like get all of that taken care of before I would ever move on to something nice. Wow. Wow. Um, so much personality in that so many like gears and mechanisms and chains of events and like Mm -hmm. and decisions and things pulling off of each other to like make this state yeah and you're coming to that as you're falling asleep i that was like one of the last things i read before i fell asleep so that i'm having this dream with the mutton and i'm in my in the dream i'm very aware that this is like best this is the premium food this is like the prasad from baba this has this super high spiritual energy and i had decided that everybody all the pilgrims who were there at the trust center that day should we should get to eat a little bit of this prasad at that time and i pulled out a big chunk of it which was really like there was still plenty left in the bowl it was like a half a bowl though it was kind of a big bowl and i pulled out like one of the bigger chunks but there was like a lot left you know 
and one of the other people there, Bao's wife, was there, um, Rama, and she was like, no, this is like too much. You know, like, we have to preserve this. There's only, this is like the last of Baba's prasad. He's dropped the body now. Like, this is all the prasad we're ever going to get. And you want to eat this much of it tonight? Tonight? And I'm like, well, and I'm like, yeah, we're all going to be like distributing it amongst all these different people. It's like one little piece of food. Like, we're all just going to have a nibble of this. It's like one piece of meat. We're going to divide it by like 16 of us who are here tonight. Yeah, I think we can afford to have this much of prasad tonight.
part of it. But I lost that last bitch. Rolling again. So Rama says, yes, we can eat some of this mutton, this one piece of mutton you've pulled out, but we have to uh, make a huge feast in order to go with it so that it's like a proper meal. It's a rounded meal. It's got all the different components to it. And then the, the Baba's Prasad will just be one little part of it. And in the feast that she prepares, one of the things she makes is this like big, long, like eel mm -hmm. and another like big squid type of fish. Like these two long sea creatures that have been cooked in this like delicious Indian oil and is on my plate next to the like rice and the dal and the curry and like everything else. And then like the little tiny piece of Baba's Prasad mutton, mutton is like buried in the rice somewhere. And she serves this to me and I start eating this, the eel and the squid. <laughs> and I'm like mowing down on these and they both taste so good though they're definitely like rich and dense and have that just kind of like, what do I call it? Like uh, life, yeah, intestinal, uh, slime. I don't know Chewy? what the right word. Yeah, it's all these things. And it's, it's like, it, it's um, full of it's, flavor and vitality. It, 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 it's I'm just totally and I realized partway through the dream and I think I woke up at this point you do it that I'm Peter? Maui yeah you're playing I'm, I'm you believe other in stuff. Peter <laughs> like Baba's mutton was right there on the plate and I wasn't eating it I was eating all the other stuff yeah but it was all buried in the rice it was in the rice somewhere but I could have just like you know dug in and pulled it right out like I knew where it was it wasn't visible but I knew where it was, and I could have just, with the tiniest little bit of digging, reached in with my fingers, Indian style, and pulled it out, and had that first. Wow, yes. But I didn't. I was like a huge eel and a huge squid on my plate that were delicious, and I was just mowing them first. <laughs> like, I had to get that done. You've been distracted like a pig by eating the garbage first, and then you broke through that, and you were reprimanded by the disciple's wife, and she cooked you up a delectable meal of eel, and so then you were distracted by the gourmet and the fantasy, and you just never got to eating God. Do you know how... Do you sometimes get those, like personal miracles that happen to you that you just know you won't be able to describe or deliver to anybody else like you could like if you tried to journal it you wouldn't even necessarily be able to write it down because it's like a bit complicated in consciousness but for you it's very solid in the meaning that it has for you the way that it touches you that lets you know there's a higher consciousness well said you well feel said. this sometimes well said yeah I feel you that was going on for me last I feel night. you yeah mine have been coming in waterfowl ducks and geese yeah dude well that was in it too because baba was talking about I, I should fucking pull this quote up baba was talking about this thing with the swine right yeah. and the counter that he said to that like don't be like the swine be like the geese he said he said to be like the geese yeah what do the like, geese do what does he like about geese I, it was like it was kind of an esoteric statement it was like the, at the end of a paragraph and there was no explanation for what that meant But you got a Baba dream. Like, yeah. and just came, a few weeks ago, you had a sense of loss from not ever dreaming about Baba. Yeah. Like, that you, it was something that was gone from your life. And you and then you acknowledged at the end, you're like, well, you can't force it. And you just have to let that go. And, like, all good researchers 
you found the trap door at the dead end. You opened the trap door and it was a fridge. And it had a nice little, nice little free will choice. Nice little free will choice. And you gotta, gotta have like a reflective state of where you're at. Mm-hmm. Trinity, according to Kitty Davy reading this morning, Trinity of spiritual path is, I'm already forgetting it. Uh, one is service. Trinity of a spiritual path. One, service. Two is inner repetition of the master's name. Of the inner repetition name. of the master's name. I don't know about that. Continu- it's a little culty suspect, but okay. It's like whatever you call it. You call it God if you want. You, you remember you picked up God and you realize you have to keep following God. Yeah, yeah. You use that as the bouncing, as the springboard for all of your actions. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's sound. It's sound. I feel that. Yeah. And... I forget the other one, but I'm going to say it's love. (laughs) Yeah, if you can stay within that spot where you're bouncing it back and forth in your brain and then you're living for it, then it informs your free will decisions and your free will decisions will be in a better alignment with the ultimate decisions unfolding of destiny in the universe and you will just be that much more empowered. Like I think that's the gift. And then through that, you kind of look up and you dig it and so you worship it and then you get to be like a friend to the creator without being a uh, like a slave or a drone or a drugged out version to the creator. Mm. It's like you came there of your own free will. It's, it's cooler. Yeah. It's ultimate seduction. Using the word master rather than God brings it down to the human level. Yeah. Which makes it, I mean, even though it's like the master has a connotation that he's above you, but it also is like simultaneously he is on your level like a brother too. God is definitely like formless and beyond and you can't quite put yourself at that same level because you know you're not really at that level. But when it's a spiritual guide in the form of a man, whatever you see, whether that's Christ or Muhammad or somebody else for you, it's really helpful to have that instead of just being the type of person who goes directly towards God or towards the elements like fire and water or or debatably even towards like basil or something because then it's like a brother. It's someone who is equal to you and a friend and you have that inner link connection in the same way where you see that person on an equal playing field as you. Oh, it's easier to relate to them because they're human. And it's very real, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. And that is the aspect of God that, like, flows through all of us, too. I think the formless aspect of God is a bit superfluous, but the avatar aspect where he comes down and takes physical human form on Earth, boom, baby, he's through all of us. He's feeling it along with all of us. He's not just in continuous bliss. He's also in continual suffering, because, but only because we suffer. And he wants to be there with us because that's how much he loves us. <laughs> it's so, yeah, it's, it's very intense. Mm. Yeah, I'm not like in the God state now, so just <laughs> thinking about it, it seems, wow, that's super intense. And what a thing to be going on. And if that's really going on, like, why aren't we all tuned into that? That's so fantastic and probably the highest dimensional chord of everything that's playing. Mm. Like, why isn't that the thing we're all 
beating to and going with. Because then life happens, and that just sounds lame. It sounds like two guys talking about God on the beach, and it's kind of boring. I, I was just thinking, I'm like, man, this conversation is boring. Well, it's like, it's like, it's also the most fantastic thing that it could be. People want to know how we came to be as humans with this illusion of free will, whether it's an illusion or not, I don't know, but with this kind of incredible gift of life that we've been given. And we want to understand how we got here, how this all came to be. It seems quite, like you called it a coincidence earlier, like when we're talking about the sun and the moon, like what is the coincidence of that happening at a certain time? Yeah, that the moon rotates at 24 hours and 15 minutes and it takes the earth 24 hours to rotate around the sun? The perfect Is that right though? That's what this article said That's online. 24 and 24. That seems highly suspicious. It's very interesting. That the moon that, like, is 24 and the earth is 24. Well, that we, we usually think, I usually think of the moon as having a 28-day cycle because of a woman's cycle and because 28 times 13 is 364. So it's like so closely times to the year. But it's like just off the tiniest little bit because it's not that it's got this nice little irregularity to it that makes a sort of a polyrhythm going on in the mm-hmm. solar system mm-hmm. not to mention that each one of the planets has its own one of those because they're all polyrhythmed up to us there's like a polyrhythm of nine or more going on within the solar system which is how astrology gets so complicated and all those energies come together with their little montage of of like you know, waves, so we are in tune with that. When we get born, we're all unique. So we got to wonder, the beginning of the cause and effect, when things first started moving, was there a reason to that? Was there a rhyme to that? Was there, was it a whim? Was it just a whim? Or was it an intelligent whim? It's breathing. It's going in and out. And it just, it's come out and it's come in. There was, and it's all going to keep going Was there in a and purpose out. to it? Was there a meaning to it? Oh, it's beyond meaning and purpose. It's way beyond that. Beyond that? It's way beyond that. What does that mean? What does it mean to be beyond meaning and beyond purpose? That's a beautiful statement. That's like a, a heartwarming statement to me. That's like that's a statement that sounds as big as the beyond. That's beyond the... Most people are looking for meaning. They would feel comforted just to know that there was some meaning, let alone that it's like way beyond... It's perfection. It's perfection. It's perfection, and then it kind of indues down, and, and then you can feel it and see it through beauty and harmony, which is how it works 51% of the time, which is then why things work out and flow together. And then, like, meaning kind of comes into it. And the meaning is in the function and the action and how things are working together. Unlike how- a, a roulette table where you win 48% of the time? Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's those ir- irregularities in the, in the pulses that make things detectable. I got this from... Uh, them shining uh, microwaves into diamonds and they're shining microwaves into diamonds and they could get it to a certain point but the diamond whether it was uh, made in a lab or made as a gym ended up at the smallest level not being able to take the microwave as well because they had these little irregularities and the, the irregularity would show through but in it showing through it's what it made it able to detect little tiny bits of something 
So it's like these irregularities are what give things texture. They're what allows other things to kind of shine off. If it was all absolutely perfect, there would be no personality to it. Baba said that the soul is like a thread that has a bunch of knots in it, and it's kind of this ball of yarn. And it, the reason we're in illusion is because we focus on the knots so much so that we think that we are the knots. We almost don't experience ourselves as the thread because there's so many knots and we just think that we're that. And the master's work is to twist the thread in the opposite direction to s gradually undo all of the knots without breaking the thread. All my microphone cables are so fucked up <laughs> with like all like the twisted and coils in them. So the purpose for the universe, the purpose for the creation, the purpose for all of this experience is so that God can consciously know himself. And in order to achieve this, he decided to go about it by creating consciousness first. But then the trick is that he has to turn the consciousness towards himself. So we become conscious of everything before we become conscious of him. Yeah. yeah. It's That's, like that hermetica destiny of creation is not completely fulfilled until you go out there and create yourself. Mm. Like, it, it's, it is a continuing process of, of understanding back. Is it poetry time? Two souls speak of love in their silence, sharing the mysteries. Known only through the grace of Allah. No lips have ever spoke such gentle words. Words which pierce the flesh. On the path to the heart. Seeking immortality. In the treasure thereof. Awarding joy. For the pain whence it came. This is Wally's love poem number one. Love poem number one. <laughs> Dialed in to the scientific lesbian love poems. <laughs> I like it when people get to that poetic state because it means that they're like at a high zest. Their, their frequency is, is way up there. They're yeah, passionate and they're observant and they're thinking about it, but it's like they're definitely contributing a lot of them into it. It's like you can tell just by the number of words and the intensity, the power with which they hit, that there's more power per word. More power per word. Yeah. Dude, that's something that uh, I've been thinking about that I like that you said. You said it way back in summertime when we we're having chats listening to a classical musical station. And it was the amount of time that it takes for the spirit world to reach us that they're operating some thoughts at a, like, it could take them 5,000 years to make the one moment of coincidence where you hear the right note in the classical station as we're talking and it, like, resonates with something that I just said. And it's like, that whole orchestration of action to be making that pop, that instance of the intelligence reaching through into this realm, that compression of time. And uh, yeah, I took that and it's just, I like that thought. And I like thinking of everything else that is this compression of time to happening into one thing. Like the poet with 
a specific word that they're using. It's like that word is on purpose and it comes from a compression of their vocabulary going through Wally's love, number one, going through the heart, going through like the rough draft, the second draft, or he just freestyled it, but it's still a compression of all these things into one. I, I like these functions of time. The fragrance of your smile is like the gentle smell of freedom and the starlight of your eyes, the faith and hope of obtaining it. If I were to kiss, if I were to kiss your lips but once, the world would be mine tomorrow, for I'd spend today enhancing hope and faith from your charms. Love poem number two. That's love poem number two. Love poem number two. I did 22 uh, looping, dancing, uh, like kind of like ballet frolickings around the clock tower at midnight as a, like as a ritual. 24? 22. 22. Oh, yeah. for the, for the new year. 22. Yeah, for the new yes. year. Mm. There weren't many people out downtown Santa Cruz. It was almost as quiet as a Tuesday night. Maybe mm. at midnight there was 75 people like scattered around the clock tower. No barricades, stoplights were still going. Probably like eight police. I had to personally introduce myself and what I was doing after about three rotations around the clock tower because I was- Through the police? Because I was wild and free and I wanted to let them know that I was wild and free. And not on drugs. I mean, I might've been on drugs too. I probably was on drugs too, but like, <laughs> I was also like in a ritualistic state yeah. and I was gonna let myself be in that state. And it's easier to announce that so it doesn't seem as as odd to somebody that's not in ritual mode. Yeah. Because I wanted to be beautiful and like take in 22 rotations around. I tried to get people to join me too, but it, I, I couldn't quite muster. I was I wanted to get all 75 people. One guy lit it's off really one around. firework and he was just holding it in his hand and, and that was nice. <laughs> you were counting the rotations as you went? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just kind of like winding it in with, because I clock towers, like, it's just, it's statuesque, it's big, it's got the fountain all laid up on bricks, it's up there, it's the midnight striking. It's going to be a powerful year. I feel good, dude. Do you remember that woman at Harbin who was going into the cold plunges and she like was all bundled up up top with like a sweatshirt and a beanie on and was like cradling herself with her arms and kind of like dancing back and forth do you remember her last time we were there i do she, she spent she a was long there. time in the she cold. was there again oh she was and she's in the icy cold plunge the one that's colder than the other one the one that almost nobody ever even goes into at all because it's so cold and she's in there for so long and she's got that aura about her that she's unapproachable to me. Like, she just seems like she's so deep in her zone that I would not want to disturb her meditation. And I was actually going in and plunging a little bit next to her, but I was just, like, giving her her space and not, you know, like, engaging at all. Though I was definitely attracted to her energy, which is maybe part of why I was going and plunging next to her. Yeah, so she was still no bottoms, a sweater on with a beanie. Yep. And staying she's, like, frigid for 15, and she's down, minutes. down in the water to, like, her waist and just like, yeah, doing her little like back and forth jog and she's doing her like, yeah, some sort of intentional breathing that she's doing with it. 
Is this morning time or evening time? This is like all day. And <laughs> so one of the workers there uh, at one point strikes up a conversation with her. And I was amazed to see that, in fact, she was totally open to engagement from others while she was in the middle of this process. And yeah. so I'm kind of overhearing their conversation. She's doing four hours a day in the ice water broken up into chunks of 60 or 90 minutes. I wasn't so into Wally's love poems. I, I like this, dude. Four hours a day in ice water. Yeah, and she doesn't even hit the hot pools. She just comes out in her clothes, strips down like in the partial rain and jumps in the ice water. And so the worker person who's talking to her is saying that she's like, oh, I think you're breaking a record. Like, I don't think anybody's ever been in these in this pool as long as you have you know and she's like yeah maybe you'll get a follower maybe you'll have some followers and within an hour some you young were already dude, there you were in the pool already followed jumped her. in the pool dunked himself all the way under with his head like seven times struck up conversation with her and within a couple of minutes he was doing her same move like she was teaching him how to do the huddle and the jog back and forth and the little dance that she was doing and he was doing it too yeah. and i was impressed with how long he was staying in there and they were both just talking casually and i was like it just happened like within an hour of like talking about that this person might have followers here's her first follower jumping in with both feet <laughs> Do you know what she was doing it for? She has some kind of a spinal injury. She's healing her back. Wow, so she's healing her spine through cold. Yeah, and she's a superstar. She's like famous now in my mind. So that was a preliminary, like, uh, it's not like a messiah, like, what is that when somebody starts when to you get, get a, a follower? Get a follower. I mean, that's like all over social media. I know, How right? How many followers do you have? Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's the same as <laughs> the Forrest Gump. Like, what did Forrest Gump, when, when right? he's running across and he gets followers, like, what is that action? Right? You're not a leader. It's like you're going through and experiencing and happening. Well, you cert most of the people who are doing that, they don't, like... They don't manifest the followers. They don't expect that it's going to happen. It's just kind of a byproduct of what they're doing. It's a byproduct of what's naturally, like, a full gene from them. Because they're they're either intriguing or safe or a combination of both. Like a version they're of honest. pleasant... They have a depth of honesty that is attractive to those who are a bit lost. They have a depth of honesty that's attractive to those that are a bit lost. Yeah. 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 I remember recently... Okay, you know I want to, like, do some ecstatic singing in general in life, and I'm a bit hung up on it because I have a hang-up with followers. I, like, want to have a circle of people to do this with, but I don't want to be the leader of it. I don't want to have this thing of, like, followers... That's maybe exactly I do what I was it. thinking. Maybe I do. Maybe I do want that, and I'm hung up about it and hypocritical about it. I'm not sure. You got never the reluctant guru. I have there. a hang up. Yeah, my inner reluctant guru. And so I almost have this podcast released, but we talk about this in in our latest episode that uh, that's supposed to come out. Right. So I was thinking of I was thinking of this when hearing her and just what it takes to have a follower. I was picturing myself going around the clock tower and what I could have done different to get people to join me in this ritual and then 
what this lady was doing and is she has an honesty to it that's yeah. like accepting yeah uh the one time in santa cruz that i had more than two people at my ecstatic singing event i love our stats dog <laughs> We've dropped podcast listeners. I hate to say that. <laughs> they stopped listening. It was uh, at the Twin Lakes Park, right up here, and Taya was there. And this one dude from uh, Dance Church came and joined because he knew that there was going to be some ecstatic singing, and he wanted to see what it was about. So it was the three of us kind of singing together. And I have to say that it really wasn't the best of ecstatic singing. It was like we never really lifted off from that like initial kind of flowing place where the notes are a bit long. Like we never cut loose. We were just kind of making some tones together. But there was, you know, we were doing some ecstatic singing. But what was interesting was that even just within like 45 minutes, you know, like deep in a nature place where there's usually not a whole lot of people necessarily all in the same area, there was more people listening to us as though they were audience members than there were people singing. There was like three or four families of people. There was probably seven or a dozen people kind of like hanging around the outskirts of our little event, witnessing and observing and listening to what we were doing as the three of us singing together. Yeah. Yeah. Which would happen. That's just what's going to happen. And it's... Your job as the conductor is to find the the facilitator. The facilitator is to find the smoothest ways to have those people feel safe and start murmuring sounds. To jump it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because that's how it'll galvanize real quick. People like making making sounds. People love making sounds and they want to be free. They want to be free. Freedom is a feeling that feels good, and it's like you have to be able to make that freedom seem. Not tame, but like not crazy. It has to be like empowered, but not lunatical. Yeah. I'm picturing on New Year's in the times when it like felt good to be like howling and screaming and just like then when people are coming down the street and they're like encapsulated by it and they want to join and then it becomes like a ripple of sound like going down as everybody's just like on these sort of waves of enthusiasm. And it's a... Probably helps if you dress with your shirt tucked in or some sort of other like contemporary version of respectable. You telling me to shave? <laughs> no, I think the beard really works for for this form of non-guru guru. Are you sure it's not dressing like Wally? <laughs> well, yeah, no, that's not true. That's true. Yeah, but that really worked in some ways. <laughs> We've really gone off topic, haven't we? No, I like this topic. I was just threading a bit further into just what it will be to be the singing person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like that you're apprehensive about it. it it's fun. It's kind of like, there's a bit of like friction. <laughs> so there's a bit of friction around it, right? It's embarrassing. It's it kind is. of cringy. And I like that it's just like open to it because it's an honest problem. You're like, hey, I'd like to be ecstatically singing and like have people doing this but like to do that people are going to watch but i also want people to join and so it's like this hang up yeah i don't want people to watch that part feels weird when people aren't actively participating in it but i recognize that that's going to be inevitable yeah and you're right how to bridge the gap to make it as easy as possible for those people to uh jump the barrier of observer and participator 
it's like you gotta just start my, doing it and in start my feeling inner, it out dude. in my inner world all things are hard so, until they're easy in my inner world it's so inevitable that it's going to happen that I almost want to put as many obstacles in the way of it happening because I have this pent up hang up yes and that is probably 90% of everybody's destiny they all feel at some level yours is a bit more conscious what's going to happen and that that is what they are going to Secret, do secretly holding themselves and they back. are holding themselves back talking with uzi about how time is non-linear and like we you know who believe in reincarnation like there's this idea of past lives but what about our future lives mm. maybe they're a bit frayed out in front of us if we believe in the uh the willpower that we have our ability to choose and sculpt our destiny but ultimately it's like we're all going to the same thing which is god realization though there are different versions of that that we can take and oh, so you can forecast your all ultimate future life there's an ultimate goal that we're all going towards whether we like it or not and the question is <laughs> the, the path that it takes to get there it's breathing in breathing out you're going to get to the very beginning of it all again and then you'll breathe in you'll be there for an eternity but it will seem like nothing because it'll be over like that because once it's over it's over and it starts all over again well that sounds like reincarnation to me I, i'm just black holes universes it big bang it, uh outward expansion everything coming back on itself again one of the common ways to break down god into three is creator preserver and destroyer so creator and destroyer are in the beginning and the end which we know are almost essentially the same thing but the sustainer is the one that's holding it all so that it's actively alive and still continuing despite the fact that this start and this end is like overshadowing the whole affair and there's a most people most souls some percentage like a very high percentage of creatures when they do realize god they don't they drop their body or they lose entire consciousness of their body and they're not like a spiritual master that has followers coming to them that they like they, they no longer have any touch with physical reality they're just in that formless bliss state mm -hmm. and most of us are destined for that but there's some small, small percentage that is destined for the sustaining work, which is those who attain God realization and continue to live as humans. And in their human form are simultaneously in touch with infinite consciousness, infinite mind, knowing the hearts and minds of all in terms of both humans and plankton. And, and they not only bear the bliss, which all of us are destined for the bliss, but they're also going to bear the infinite suffering simultaneously and doing that sort of spiritual service. And also, though, that this is going to be the last person's life. They're not going to reincarnate again after that. That is the end. It's like spiritual suicide. They've been through the whole thing from the beginning, from the very beginning, beginning, before the beginning, to the very end, the absolute end. There's not going to be anything more after it. And... So, what a strange trip it's been. Yeah, what a strange trip it's been. And to think about that entity being this perpetual sort of 
kiss, this send-off of, like, thank you for the existence, for the life, for the struggle, for the story. That entity is always a kiss, is always the send-off. They are holding the place of all-knowing and all-acceptance of the whole illusion that we've all been through in order to realize ourselves. Yeah. And it's like, they're about to leave, they're about to go, and they know it. Okay, okay. We don't, most of us don't even know where we are in the plot line. Yeah. We don't have a sense of how many pages are left in the book. Sing from this place. Sing from sing that place. Sing from this place. Use the singing from it. Like, be so ecstatic with it that you, for the 45 minutes, lose any sense of your ego and all of your problems will be solutioned. <laughs> I like this advice. Ultimately, that's how you'll know if you're doing it right or not. You're like, you will know right or not being, am I ecstatic? Because if you were ecstatic, you will lose sense of your ego. Ecstatic would be a rapturous state where you are transported outside of yourself into this like other realm of ecstasy. And so that's whether or not you're in tune is whether or not you still remember that you're you. And you'll know you're not in tune if you get hung up of other people around. And this will take some practice. I hear what you're saying. I don't want to be the arguer, but also as a facilitator, it's not as much about my experience of dropping as deep as I can and staying in that spot. Okay. It's about connecting everybody there together. Well, okay. In a sonic space. Then we'll, yeah, then you will have some leadership to do, the which reality, will be a conductor. You will be the, the highest row. The highest ecstatic state is bigger than my personal ecstatic state. Yeah, because you, dude, that would feel so good to be doing that with like thirty people, it's like spread be way out better through the forest or on I the can, street. If or I on can the kind of like gently hold the hand of five other people who are going to drop as deep as you just described, that's better than just me dropping that deep. And you will. Feel them getting there. Like, that's going to be a wave. To right. feel them transition from a bit here to a bit like, okay, I'm trying to, like, okay, I'm letting go to what happens after you let go. Well, the chaotic, there's the five rhythms as part of this ecstatic singing theory, right? So there's, it begins at stillness, stillness moves to flowing, flowing moves to staccato staccato crescendos into chaotic chaotic resolves through the lyrical and lyrical resolves back into the stillness so we all have the chaos in us the chaos is the part where kyle's going around the clock tower and he's like kind of losing his shit and he's a bit weirder than everybody else and louder and bigger than everybody else. It was also beautiful. Like, I was, like, no holds barred, doing ballet and just fluid... Well, that's like, the lyrical that you're describing. ...with it and, when like, it gets, legs extension and just, like, Martha Graham contractions and, like, fully extending myself out, like, to my fingertips. It's like how to hold the space for all of that. And I had no sense of ego at that point i mean i did to the sense that i should like check in with the cops but i wasn't embarrassed and i wasn't proud i was like this is an important moment because it's the beginning of 2022 and this is a time that is so important to let go of any hang-ups that you may have within yourself so i like gave myself permission to not be me and not think about repercussions that come from being me and it was then it was beautiful i love that 
to not be you and to have no repercussions of the being yous. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lit night, and there's so much then like extra energy around to like pull in and be able to transfer out. What about after you had completed the 22 circles? There was two beer cans on the ground, so I, I cleaned those up, and I felt pretty good about that. Somebody had smashed a bottle, uh, and I uh, put that into like the gutter. I didn't want to clean up like a bunch of glass. And then I went to uh, the art gallery, was having like a dance party. Nice. We got, we got some of that going. Yeah. Uh, we had some bros to play the metallic fish sculpture in front of the movie theater. Oh, you got some fish going? I got some fish going. Hell yeah. Yeah, there was definite skeptical looks, and you have to really show people the tonality in it. Uh, but if you come in with the bass, then you can get beyond all skeptical looks if you have a steady enough bass. And a skateboarder came up and put his skateboard on top of the fish, which is like three and a half feet high, and he dropped in. <laughs> what? <laughs> and the guy who had lit the uh, one firework at the clock tower, he was cool. He was like kind of like a flannel-wearing, slicked-back greaser dude. Uh, he came up and joined the, the fish, and he was pretty good at rapping and like got in. So nice. then it was just kind of like flowing momentum of it. Yeah. I felt uh, alive within myself. I felt alive and just like at ease and not really needing anything, but also like pretty keen to interact with everything. So I went to get some cider from the liquor store and uh, a hobo was stealing beer and the liquor store attendant was like stopping him. <laughs> and so I helped stop a robbery. And I had a moment with the hobo where we were like looking at How each other. How did you do that? You like slowed him down? the guy was holding him at the door and I was like well I should help him too because I was like that's not I don't like this like hey you can steal up to $900 worth of stuff that's fucking bullshit I'm not down with that yeah that's not cool and like we should do things in our city so that that doesn't become a standard so what did he do again describe the scene you blocked him like yeah he was leaving and he had just walked in put like a 24 pack in a pillowcase and was just walking out and he was opening the door and the other guy was grabbing his sweatshirt so i just grabbed the pillowcase beer and it was calm about it you grabbed the pillowcase of beer yeah like just held it so that he knew he couldn't go and then once we kind of could zero in and we could have a moment with each other I was like you can't do this like not in like no you can't do this but like you, you can't do this yeah and then uh, then he had that and he was like well buy me a beer I was like okay like <laughs> we can do this <laughs> that came later with I was like tried to do it with the stipulation of like I'm gonna give you this beer it's like fucking five dollars for a tall can I'm like Jesus dude with the condition you don't steal beer for January. And I could see in his eyes, like, that he wasn't gonna be able to do that and that the alcoholism, like, I'd never seen such an alcoholic where it's like, he was fiending so deep. It was like blood for him and he needed it so much. Oh, and I tried to like touch his arm and I could feel all of his muscles in his body cleanse up. Like, and I was like, oh, and like, and then I made the physical gesture of apologizing just for, like just kind of being in his space for just touching his arm in a friendly way. Cause I was like, Oh man, he has so much going in him with like internal tension and just all of that, like addiction, like just fucking things coming out. Can I juxtapose this story? 
in the hot cold cycle of pools with yeah. with Uzi yeah. going back and forth and on the last one leaving the hot pool Uzi becomes a bit woozy and starts kind of like fumbling and stumbling and losing his balance and like he's going to pass out right and he kind of like leans to the left and leans to the right and starts to kind of like get a little lower and his knees are bending and he's like squatting and kind of falling into the corner and I go over and kind of put my arm around him to like hold him up a bit and give him some support Mm -hmm. and like you know within a half a second there was like several people who were all very focused on this situation because this is a thing that happens in the hot pool it's very very hot people pass out and so there was like two very motherly mama type people who came and like sat him down on the bench and like put their hands right on his heart chakra and Uzi later said that he doesn't really remember any of the stumbling and he doesn't remember anything again until someone was touching his chest wow so he definitely lost consciousness for a good 10 or 15 seconds and was just so like relaxed and in a state of bliss where there was just nothing of him there was no need like he had just completely satisfied all desires for everything sensual and was somewhere way up above (laughs) the hot cold transfer high is so hollow so nice it's like it hollows you out and kind of rectifies everything around you into this holy like crisp glow that's such a good buzz the hot cold buzz and at the same time though while it's like i'm really getting high just from doing the hot cold transferring it kind of like puts me in the state where I'm experiencing some consciousness shift and it makes me jones that much more for sensuality and just the various experiences that my body can go through. It Uh, makes me, for me, I feel like it's addictive in and of itself. mm. It ties me to that cycle of going back and forth between the extremes and the opposites. Oh yeah. Some sensuality is healthy. That's why it's invented, or that's why it's in the atomic structure of things cascading from one thing. That's why it's in evolution. Your emotions are there to guide you. It's through our bodies that we will realize the truth. That's what this is here for. It's a healthy addiction to sweat and become cold. No addiction is healthy, but that's how we relate to our senses of the world and our bodies. The evening ended with a on a New Year's with a geyser, <laughs> a fucking geyser in, in town. Yeah, yeah. It took like two hours walking back on Westcliff with some bros that probably want to remain anonymous, but we were like star searching and like listening to the music that we've made and like ended up walking up uh, like a back alley path, and somebody was like, "What is that water noise?" Because there was like definite water sound but i was like it's just a sprinkler and then like as you're getting closer it's honestly like getting louder and then it looks like a tree but as you get closer you realize it's a billowing a tree billowing from the bottom like a cloud and somebody had knocked a fire hydrant so that it was just gushing water like like you were standing next to an open geyser and you could just come up and uh and dance around it like water was coming up to your ankles we had a boom box going and it was just like ripping the sound and it was just dancing so hard just embracing 22 with like i mean it's horrible that's a lot of water being lost like it's a 
that's it's not tragic, but it's like that's what fucking sucks that that happens. But you call it in. This is what happens when you try to control all the water in an urban setting. <laughs> you call it in. Somebody's on their way. The water's coming up anyway. Might as well fucking dance. <laughs> <laughs> you called it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, so how? Di- uh, the, they're like, how did it happen? Did you do this? It's like, <laughs> it's totally it's like somebody did. Somebody just fucking hit that thing and ran. <laughs> so intense, just like is it? The, it's still kind of grayscale at night too, like yeah. black and white. Yeah, yeah. You can't white make it all out, but like the whole street is now a river. You're getting plumes of water and spritz from like 15 feet away. Like you can feel the air pressure of it, and it like makes you want to put your hands out to the side with your palms up, so you're like embracing right. the magnitude of life happening. Yeah, and it's just like it's just coming out. And you're right there, like perfect place to like dance ritualistically and embrace like the coming (laughs) energy of the year because this is a year for heroes this is a year for the good guys this is a year for like the uh, opposing forces of balance to come back into play where it's just like good will triumphant i like your hope I like that something that's going on with this turn of the new year is that we're opening a new eye into the cosmic past. Yo. We've got that new telescope that's going up and unfolding right now. Right? What is that? The web or the net? Yeah, yeah. It's the... I think you're right. It's the web. Uh, Like... A Hubble telescope times 500. It's and not, it's going to look... It's not 500, but it's like times 10 or something. It's going to look 500 billion years into the past. Right. Yeah, we're going to see further into the universe than we've ever seen before. And we're like Like within 50 years to the Big Bang. <laughs> really? It's very, very close. What the heck, man? What are we going to see? Right? Right? How is it going to change us? How is it going to change us? Does that? Nah, we won't give a fuck, dude. Anything could happen when we don't give a fuck. It takes two weeks for us to come uh, to like uh, accumulate or to accumulate to anything. I saw this great stand-up comedian talking about the people who believe that we're in a simulation and that we live in some kind of a matrix. And he's like, and then these people, you got to consider that the creators of the matrix then drop the movie <coughs> the matrix onto us mm-hmm. and they're like these fuckers still ain't gonna realize it <laughs> <laughs> i mean this is a simulation like once you get down into what it is going on if it's just it's such a weird you know, like, word to like, describe yeah, it it's happening I don't, it's an illusion is it a simulation i don't know Everything you're getting is like a millisecond behind. It takes your brain a second to process it. You're forming it all in your head through your neural connections. Everybody sees it different. All insects are experiencing it different than plants are experiencing it. Yeah, we all experience it differently, but that doesn't make it a simulation. I don't. What is, we'd have to define. I guess what is simulation. simulation? Yeah, because yeah. I'm saying that pretty broadly. I'm saying that just like right. That's the reality part of, kind of nature itself is just this. It's like a, co- a simulation is like a copy of something. It's like mimicking something else, but it's not the actual thing. Oh. And I don't think yeah. that that's what it is. I think we're I don't in think the so actual either. thing. Yeah, yeah, we're in the actual thing. I just think there are also a lot of other things. We're just a bit separated from our own experience of it. Yes, yes, please, please. Yeah. 
we are separated from our own experience of it. Yeah, there's this kind yeah, of gap dude. between what we actually are and what we think about experiencing. Bridge the gap. <laughs> Bridge the gap. Coming from the guy who 15 minutes ago said that all addictions are unhealthy, make a new addiction to the true self. A true an addiction to truth? Yes. <laughs> yes, please. I'm, I'm aware of time because I know you have to be at the library at 1.30. I have to leave here at 1.30. Time is? Phone's not saying the time at the top. Ten minutes. Enough time to figure out where opera came from. We haven't read this one yet. You were talking about this one, but you haven't read it yet. Though, we do want to know where opera comes from, because the story... Hermetica. Oh, uh, yeah, this is the one that, uh... I, I, I read this one on New Year's, and probably the official New Year's for us is on Sunday with the new moon. Nice. Like, that's... I mean, and to have that be so close to New Year's being on Friday... Yeah. Like, that's pretty sweet. But the newness, and it just being a time of, of rebirth and purity, and it's like you're starting over... Uh, this is the Hermetica and their section on rebirth and it just deals with things you can do as a mortal person in slowed down in flesh in order to more easily move through this in a, like on a, maybe not authentic, but like in a, a pure way, in a way that's more connected to vibrant life. Maybe not vibrant life, but I don't know, what is pure spiritual energy? No one can be saved. No one can be saved until he is born again. If you want to be reborn, purify yourself of the irrational torments of matter. If you want to be reborn, purify yourself of the irrational torments of matter. The first of these is ignorance. The second is grief. Third is lack of self-control. Fourth is desire. Now, mind you, this is coming 3,000 years before Egyptian culture. This is from ancient, ancient Egyptians passed on to the Library of Alexandria, lost when the Romans destroyed it, refound from the Middle East in the 1500s by Renaissance kings. Fifth is injustice. Sixth is greed. The seventh is deceit. Eighth is envy. Ninth is treachery. Tenth is anger. Eleventh is rashness. And the twelfth is malice. Purify yourself of irrational torments of matter, ignorance, grief, a lack of self-control, desire, injustice, greed, deceit, envy, treachery, anger, rashness, malice. Under these twelve there are many more which force the man who is bound to the prison of the body to suffer from the torments they inflict. By God's mercy they will and they may all depart and be replaced by understanding. Be replaced by understanding. That is the nature of rebirth. Mm. Mm. I like your bongo playing. It's, uh, I'm realizing with Doing this podcast has been an experiment in poetry reading and just what it is to 
who read a poem and to find the rhythms within it. And it's a, yeah, it's always like a balance line that you're running between douchey slam poet and like authentic poet that's like not monotone. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's an exploration and there's no way to do it except for just to throw yourself into it. But I didn't quite throw myself into that one because I was conscious of it because the rhythm was sick. And I was like, okay, let me try this. That, you know, the better part is almost when you lose track of yourself in it. Yes. Self-forgetfulness. Yeah, I was just trying to see, like, what of these things that I just had. I probably had greed and envy. <laughs> Can it, before we lose the thread of the meat of the poem itself, talking about the, the body being like a prison. Yeah. It makes me think about, and just like rhythm and dimensional jumping. Yo, from the Hermetica, the lost wisdom of the pharaohs. Humans being born, pure spirit energy coming in to the womb. And yeah, yeah, that's what I was trying to describe. I'm like, what is the pure state? And inhabiting this um, embryo. Yo. And at that time, in the beginning of the conception, it feels super spacious in there. It's like a really nice, warm home place that has all the nourishment you could possibly need. And everything is just very good and attractive about that spot. You want to just get real... You just want to be totally you just want in to there. be warm and vibrating in the embryo. Womb music, womb music. And then this embryo grows in complexity, gets all of the structure involved with the human form, and before you know it, Crystalline it's starting lice. to feel a bit trapped. It's feeling like kind of a small place that's confining, and you don't have all the freedom that you want because you need to be able to move and explore and have more experiences outside of this body that you've constructed sufficient Despite, perfectness became a trap yeah and think about that in the same way we can view our own spiritual awakening because we are a bit like that in the sense of um feeling a bit trapped and confined within the experiences found within illusion once you kind of mature into your adulthood as a human it's you're sort of wrapped up by the experiences through which you defined yourself. Wrapped up in the experiences through which you defined yourself. We explore all that is within the creation, the foods that we like, the types of people that we like to hang out with, the environments that we enjoy, the activities that we enjoy, the various things that define us, and that becomes our prison. And eventually we start to seek freedom even from that because we realize that those can be a bit confining in the same way that the womb at one time was confining to us. Uh, they're confining because they reinforce some sort of history? They're confining because they're limited. And they're limited to what those things are. Limited to what those things are. And I define myself by having no limits. Well, this is what I'm, that's the next step is that you then, we break free and the pure spiritual energy, which is not really contained by the body, but actually surrounding it. <laughs> I define myself by having no limits, and yet I'm continually on record afraid of being a douchebag. <laughs> and so I do not read poems as hard as I can read them. Because <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, this might not be the right way. It's so embarrassing 
but enjoyable listening to these because we are so full of shit. <laughs> I try, I'm trying to check, especially like, today I've been trying to check myself to not say things that are full of shit. Yes, yes. <laughs> not that easy to do when you're trying to sound profound and like you know something. Yeah, we should skirt away from that. We, yeah, we should, we have to not Well, then what do you talk about? I mean, we could sit here and just listen to the ocean the whole time, but it's, the, the popular medium is through conversation and sentences and words. English language is bullshit. You're talking to the person who wants to get, cut all that out of the way and just get to the ecstatic singing phase. But here we are on a podcast. The goal is to talk. The role is to talk. We have to mm-hmm. talk about something. We can yep. talk about some stories, but as we've learned from the wise people, stories, individualized stories, is not the height of mental happenings. It I is have a story pure that's ideas, the pure thoughts. I have a story that's the height of mental <laughs> yeah. happenings. Okay. It's a true <laughs> story. Hit me with it. It's a true story. <laughs> as you know, my year started last year with a piano washing up on the beach of the high tart marker. This piano was open and exposed to baby grand and you could come up with driftwood and perch upon it and play all the like the the metal of it and before the high tide had come about a month later it would still boom and rattle and just like you would be playing it by creating the rumblings with your sticks on top eventually the key stopped working and you were just getting and then hitting the side of the piano with your hands and your feet and the whole thing would start basing until it eventually got filled with sand and then you'd be hitting the high ends with your other driftwood or a feather possibly and it'd be creating if you're doing it right the eerie sound of drifting underwater the place that the piano had come from the reputation of the piano spread and like feathers and flowers and ornaments and arrangements of driftwood and beautiful patterns came around the piano along with the stories of where it had came The story had settled that on the day before New Year's, 12 pianos were coming from San Francisco, fell off the boat because it was a wild storm, and this is the one that had washed up on the beach. Oh shit, it was a new piano. It was a new piano. Whoa. That is how uh, 2021 started started for me is going for a walk on the beach and then coming across this piano and just the miracle of playing sound that came from under the water and trying to feel the storm like within the keys and to like adjust and grow with it and learn how to rumble with it 2021 ended going to retrieve a piano on the new year's eve a buddy called up and his neighbor was getting a piano for him and his daughters and so we went on a mission to go get a piano and this piano started in tulupa mississippi the same town that elvis was born in and then in the 60s got on a train came west and made it to san francisco and was in a music shop in san francisco and was played by frank zappa and other people coming through the music shop and then ended up in the hands of a beautiful songwriter and she took a piano to a a barn in Napa and wrote songs near the river and then took it further up in California and she released a couple albums and just has lovely fingers. She talks in like a deep, serious, commanding voice and sings in a like a high, like prairie uh, princess voice. And she was there giving her piano away. The hype of this story is when I, uh, they had no more seats in the truck that had come in. So where was I to sit? 
I was in the back of a trailer going along the highway with two cans of beer and an open piano playing keys rubbling on the fucking uh, Holton or Hamilton-esque uh, piano having just been bestowed in like kind of tragic but also needed to move on a uh, breach from this uh, country singer and got to play under the clouds in the redwood trees playing a piano on New Year's Eve. Rolling down the road. Fucking for 45 minutes, dude. <laughs> so chill. <laughs> a pack of like an open trailer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. The trailer was, uh, it had high sides, so yeah. I wasn't seen from the road, but I could see the trees and the clouds, <laughs> and like it was kind of secure in open that way. Open top box. Open top box. <laughs> so I had a bookend of pianos this year, like just through yeah. circumstance come in, yeah. like in the atomic function of destiny or just actions, or is it coincidence or not coincidence, I had that lovely kind of... Uh, gathering of 21. I love that you've so successfully checked my bullshit that stories are not the height of it because clearly they are. Stories are one of the key fundamental instruments, one of the, the underpinnings of all of existence. That is how God communicates with us is through stories. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The story is the whip. The story is the whip. Right, the whip crack. The whip crack. The whole shape that it makes. Yeah. The whole shape that the frequency is on when it's making this decision is it's going to land into its right place at the right time. Whoop! Whoop! Ah. Mm. The illusion that one thing is more meaningful than another. Yeah, that's just, that's where your free will comes in is then you get to decide. That's what, partly the simulation that we're living in is all our own simulations of our mental constructs that we put on like a hat or a top hat or a helmet of what we think is important or we think is not important. But through a story, it's like you get to definitely make a line of that. And some things are more important than the other. Morality, function health, vitality. These are like indicators. It's all a rich tapestry. It's such a rich tapestry. It's such a rich tapestry. It is not to get too philosophical, but if everything is God and God experiences everything, is it not all equal in meaning? Even that moment where we seem a bit unconscious or we're not even present with our own selves, or that moment where we're being vile and disgusting and some part of us thinks that we're turning away from God. This is... I'm just going to say some bullshit thing now. i got to stop myself. <laughs> I mean, it is all vibrant. It's just... it's That's only you getting in the way of what is actually happening. It's probably all at the same maximum level. Yeah. But then filtered through that is all the other cross streams and other air patterns and those ones are things that do have different values to them and that's where morality and health and function comes in because those are real things that do shift it and move through. I'm getting the same feeling right now that I do towards the 45 minute mark in my therapy sessions where I understand there's limited time and I have to wrap it up in a nice package. And so oh, we have to be continued, dude. I'm hesitant to open up new chapters. Open it all up. Open it but up. But the other part is, in the in light of this, like, 
delineation, which we already determined doesn't even need to be made, of free will. I love this. A delineation that we determined doesn't have to be made, but yes. The, whether there's free will or not, and if so, it kind of ties into whether things are meaningful or not, because if you don't actually have a choice about anything, why does it matter what you choose or what you do? Why do we have to take this responsibility onto ourselves? Like, you do have to take the responsibility. Do not ever let somebody whisper in your ear that you do not have free will and you do not have to take responsibility. Well, somebody was you just whispering this in my ear, and I was making the keen observation <laughs> that while this potentially could be true, I, I would dare say almost as likely the alternative of that could be true, which is that rather than everything being kind of meaningless, everything has so much more meaning than you can possibly deal with that it would crush you every instant if you were aware of it. Every single tiny little movement rippling throughout our blood and everything else is intimately connected with the infinite cosmos and the beginning of time. Yes! Yes! It's a matter of our awareness of that truth and how close we can get to actually experiencing that phenomenon which is, I dare say, truly going on for all of us, but most of us are not aware of it until the, final, the finality arrives. But, but every moment is a choice, and you can choose to get deeper into that awareness at any moment. And it's the miracle of that spaciousness that's created between those two diametrically opposed views of causality. The spaciousness between that it being we, important and not important or having the choice and no choice? Yeah, that we can seemingly not only have willpower, but it also seems rather finite and like it doesn't matter. Because in actuality, it's completely connected to the same will as everybody else's, and it's infinitely potent and important and powerful. I like having these talks by the ocean. Like, normally when we get to this point, I start to feel very oceanic. Yeah. Like a huge surface with so many diamond points that is just flooded all the way to the Great Basin. And it's just like all these connecting little speckles of minerals that are ideas and just causality. That's infinite points of light coming from 8.5 light minutes away. <laughs> blasting off the surface of the ocean reflecting at some obscure angle to our eyes and those characters of light and water interacting with each other and being resolved on the screen of our consciousness as we have the blood that reaches back to the beginning of time and then we can start to delineate it through our choices and then we can sometimes become aware of the importance of these choices and the importance of the blood connecting all the way back that everything is imbued with even the most mundane to the most fantastical is imbued with this importance is a place where art very easily starts to make itself important and I would like to read this uh, Will Durant. We had gone from where he came from dance. So he had discussed the origins of dance. And now it's where dance becomes opera. And dance becomes opera through mimicry. And it's through this mimicry, through these like tableaus, that the movement becomes uh, like a scene or a, a, a fragment or just a picture of drama. And then this drama is the opera. Mm. 
With music, song, and dance combined, the savage created for us the drama and the opera. From the primitive dance was frequently devoted to mimicry. It imitated most simply the movements of animals and men. It imitated the movements of animals and men and passed to mimicry performances of actions and events. So some Australian resents, so some Australian tribes staged a sexual dance around an ornamented pit with shrubbery to represent the vulva. And after a static and eructoric and erotic gestures and pranchers casting their spears symbolically into the pit. The Northwestern tribes of the same island played a drama of death and resurrection, defining only in simplicity from the medieval mystery and modern passion plays. The dancers slowly sank into the ground, hid their heads amongst the burrows they carried, and simulated death. And then, at a sign from their leader, they rose abruptly in a wild, triumphal chant and danced around the resurrection of the soul. In the like matter, a thousand forms of pantomime described events significant to the history of the tribe, of actions important to individual life. When rhythm disappeared from these performances, the dance passed into the drama, and one of the greatest art forms was born. Oh, 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 oh,